Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, um, God, asking for you to continue to move in our lives, in our homes, uh, continue to go before us, I, I pray, uh, this morning as we open your word, as we turn to uh, the Psalms. Lord God, I pray that your spirit might make them alive, that um, your spirit might transform us, that your, your spirit might not leave any of us where we are, but might move us more and more toward uh, Jesus Christ, our only hope. And so uh, we trust you. We trust you to do that. Um, and we ask you, we plead for you to come. Thank you for your presence that has been with us already this morning. Uh, thank you for your presence that will continue with us even after this uh, video and the service stops. Uh, we do all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning, church. Uh, so thankful that you are uh, joining us this morning. Uh, before we uh, turn to the Psalms, just want to uh, reiterate something we, we announced last week with, with Aaron and Holly's transition, uh, not from the Parks Church, uh, but transitioning from pastoral uh, leadership here at the Parks Church uh, to Aaron taking a position alongside Holly at Hope Women's Center. And, and I just want to uh, publicly say how grateful we are uh, for them, how thankful we have been, one, for the investment in in, in our lives, Tess and I particularly, uh, but also in, into this church. And, and we know that what they have done over the last 10 years of, 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 of planting and, and coming alongside the leadership of, of this church and, and seeing what God has done uh, will, will truly be invaluable and will be uh, left for generations to come. And so we're so thankful uh, for them. And I uh, just want to say how much we, we, we love them and appreciate them and how thankful we are that they are uh, not going anywhere, that this is their uh, home church. And uh, we're, again, we're just so uh, thankful for them and, and love them so much. Uh, second, I want to just uh, recognize, uh, again, during this season, uh, how difficult it is for so many of us. And, and I know so many of you are being faced with decisions that you have to make and decisions that you've had to make, whether it's around schooling, whether it's around uh, just, just what, what you're doing as, as a family, maybe for, for work or, or for other things, just decisions that are uh, confronting you day after day, week after week. And, and we realize those. Even as a church, we're having to confront decisions that we have to make day after day, week after week. And, and, and we recognize that the uh, right now, currently, the number one uh, need in our church uh, is, is to get back together. And, and I don't necessarily just mean on Sunday mornings, even though that is, that is a deep desire and that is what we are prayerfully considering and, and we're moving forward. But, but just to uh, see one another again. It's, it's crazy how much, even as we have bumped into one another in the community or, or maybe at different small events, how much our hearts just well up with joy and uh, thankfulness, but also uh, just, just kind of a, a little bit of, of sadness because we want to connect our hearts and connect our lives again together uh, in, in worship and things like that. And so uh, let me tell you, just as we have announcement, we are working toward uh, providing some of those uh, events where we can come together as a faith family. And, and yes, they are going to have uh, spiritual elements to them of worship and singing and prayer because we, we, we need that, right? E even more than we need to connect our hearts to one another, we need to connect our hearts to God with one another. And so we want to do those things. And so know that uh, your elders and, and, and our staff, we're actively working and planning how we can do those things uh, in, in, in the near future. And we are also uh, considering how we are going to gather again soon uh, on, on Sunday mornings. And so know that, that we are doing that, know that things are, are moving forward, but we need to just pray 
church, we need your prayers. We need you to uh, cover us with uh, your prayers for clarity. This has been such a uh, fatiguing time for us all. It's been such a uh, hard time in, in leadership with all these different decisions and all these different things, but we want to hear from the Lord. We want to know what the Spirit is saying to us and, and how to move forward. And so uh, pray for us, and we love hearing from you. We love hearing your encouragements. We love hearing um, what the Lord is doing in your life uh, during this time. So keep those things coming. Uh, they are really food for, for our souls as leaders. And so we, we, we again, just want to say how much we miss you and how much uh, we love you uh, as well. All right, so if you have your Bible, uh, go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. We are in a study this series on selected Psalms. We're not making our way through all 150, uh, but we are selecting certain Psalms and, and walking through them. And so we're going to be in Psalm 139 this week, and we'll cover the first 12 verses in Psalm 139. We won't do the whole Psalm. It's, it's, it's a little bit long, but... Uh, and to catch you up, psalms are prayers that are songs, right? So, so they are meant to be uh, sang. They can be sang out loud. They were meant to uh, be, be, be internalized and, and sang even internally as you, as you think about them. And so as we have been in uh, the book of psalms and studying psalms, I can't help, and, I, and this happens to me oftentimes when I'm writing or thinking, uh, it triggers a, a thought about another song, right? And uh, not another psalm, but, 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 a, but a song. And maybe because of, uh, you know, what the topic is, or, or, or maybe it brings to memory, a, a, you know, a person or a moment with my family or things like that, that, that a song is attached to. And in this one, I got to be honest, brought to me a, a rather weird song. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a child of uh, the 1980s, born right in the, relatively the middle of it. And there was a song in the 80s by a group called uh, the police, right, led by, by Sting, and uh, some of you uh, probably know the, the, the song that I'm going to uh, share with you, and, and there is a song that's saying, very popular song, I think it won like Song of the Year in 1983, but it had these lyrics to it, and it says, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Every single day, every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. Very popular song, right? And, and some of you were even like nodding and, and rocking out to that song. And you can explain to your kids why that's kind of weird later. It's, it's actually a, a pretty uh, creepy song, is it not, right? Like every breath, every word, every step, every single day, I'll be watching you. Now, I, I, I will play that song when my daughter starts uh, dating, but right, it's, it's not realistic, you know, what, what Sting was trying to convey there um, is actually not possible. There's no way we could know that. There's no way that we could be present in everything. However, in Psalm 139, this paints a picture and we are confronted with two attributes of our God that Sting was trying to say that he actually held, right? The all-knowingness, right? The omniscience in the omnipresence, the all-present God, right? Sorry, Sting, only God carries these. And these attributes come shining through Psalm 139 in such a, a powerful way. And I love peering into the scriptures and, and even the Psalms and what David does in showing the character and nature and attributes of God in a profound way. Because here's what I found is when I get my eyes upon a God that my mind cannot fathom these attributes that in no way can I carry, there is actually a calming effect in my life. There's actually a settling when I begin to think of a God who is absolutely all-knowing, 
a God who is absolutely all present, it calms me. You see, Martin Luther, in, in, in a debate or in a conversation with a man, he said, in, in refuting a point, he said, your thoughts about God are too human. Oftentimes, what we slip into as even people of God, our thoughts about who our God is are far too human. We make God too much like us. And what this psalm particularly points to, and many other psalms in all other places in Scripture point to, is this fact that God is nothing like us. And that is really, really good news. And so let's look at these two things in, in these two attributes in Psalm 139 this morning. And so we'll take the first uh, six verses and see which attribute you pick up in this. It begins in verse 1. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. And so in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, we see God's omniscience. And so when we say God's omniscience as an attribute of our God and only of God, here's what we mean, that he is all-knowing, that he fully and eternally knows all things, right? He doesn't have anything that unfolds before him that he does not know, God does not learn about anything. He does not find out about things. He knows everything. He doesn't have to guess. He doesn't have to discover. He knows everything, everyone entirely and perfectly. God knows the future and is unfolding that future according to his will perfectly. Isaiah 42, 8 and 9 says this, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is what the Lord is saying through the prophet Isaiah, is this. I'm bringing about new things, and I'm bringing them about according to my will. So even in this season, in this, 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 this period of so much uncertainty and chaos, the Lord is saying to us as his people, listen, I am absolutely in control. I know everything. I know the beginning from the end, and I know it perfectly, and it is unfolding according, not to the plans of men, it's unfolding according to my plans that the Lord is saying. And so look at the psalmist David. He's bringing this very personal, right? He's saying, listen, the Lord has taken a deep dive into every area of my life, and he has knowledge, perfect, eternal knowledge of every area, right? You've searched me, and you know me. And he uses these contrasts when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You discern them when they're close. You search out my path in my lying down. And so what he's saying there is, you know my action in my activities, and you know even the moments where I'm lying down, where I'm inactive, what's going on in my mind and in my heart. The Lord, you know it all together, David says. 
And so when we think about the Lord and we think about his omniscience, it is quickly followed up by David, not just about this all-knowing, but also about this all-encompassing, all, all that God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere. Look at it in, in verse 7. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And so here is the attribute here. We just looked at the omniscience. Now we're looking at the omnipresence of God, which means that God is fully present everywhere. That was verses 7 through 12, that he is not limited to any one physical space, that he is present absolutely everywhere at all times with the fullness of who he is. Right? It's not like he's, he's spread out like, you know, like, like peanut butter on toast, that, that there's a little bit of him everywhere. No, the fullness of God dwells everywhere. There is not one square inch of this world or any person that the presence of God does not dwell, right? That he is fully present in his creation, but he is also distinct from his creation, let that blow your mind for a second, that there are no limits and there are no boundaries to his presence. Which if, if I think about that, and, and I hope you are, like the, the, the all-knowingness and, and, and the everywhere presence of our God, when I think about that from a 30,000-foot view, um, it is comforting, Right? Like I said, in this season and, and maybe those moments where there's, there, there's struggle or, or, or there's suffering on a big scale or a large scale or maybe a distant scale, um, that, that it helps us, that, 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 that affirms us and, and assures us. But, but I want to I bring it a little bit closer to home because I think that's what David is doing. He's saying, you search me. You, you know me. Where shall I go? From your spirit, where, where shall I flee that, that you are not there? I can ascend to the heavens and you're there. I can go to the depths, the place of death, and you are still there, right? How is this omnipresence of God and this omniscience of God viewed when you think about your life personally? That God knows every thought. He knows every detail. He knows every action. He knows every moment. He's not absent from any place of your life. How does that make you feel? Right? Is, that, is, is, is that reassuring or is that terrifying? Is that comforting or does that make you nervous? And so I want to pause right here and I want to ask that question. I want you to dialogue it very shortly, kind of survey the room wherever you're sitting about that. Is God's omnipresent omniscience, right, all-knowing and all-presence, terrifying or comforting to you? Then we'll pick back up in the psalm.
Okay, so I hope you had a good dialogue around that and you got to some things and some, some, some realities, whether it was comforting or, or terrifying. Now, I want to kind of answer this question. Okay, those are the two attributes of God that we're looking at that David brings out in Psalm 139. So what? Like, what are the ramifications of this? And the reality is these ramifications are quite um, practical and quite deep as we look at Psalm 139. And the first is this. There's only three. The first is this, that we cannot escape God, right? If he is all present, and he's all-knowing. There is no escaping him. Listen, you can ignore him. You can avoid him. You can close your ears to him, but you cannot hide from him, and you cannot escape him. Go all the way back to the first book of the Bible after the fall in Genesis 3. What was the, what was the instinct of Adam and Eve when it comes to the presence of God? It was to what? Hide. They tried to hide their nakedness. They tried to hide their shame. They tried to hide their guilt from God. But what we find in Genesis, the very first book of our Bible, is that you cannot escape God. You cannot hide from God. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, follows up in Hebrews 4.13 like this. and says, And no creature is hidden from his, meaning God's, sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This paints a picture of the holiness of our God and the presence of God and the all-knowingness of God that we will stand fully exposed before a God who knows everything and is everywhere. And this is why we need the gospel right? We are all broken and dead in our sin, the Bible tells us, naked and exposed, to use the word in in Hebrew. But God in his mercy gives us Jesus. And so what Psalm 139 does for me is it shows this picture and these attributes of God that, that if without Christ should terrify us, Because the reality is we can't escape this holy God. We can't escape this God to whom he flows and brings justice to all, uh, judgment to all people. However, because of Christ, we can stand before this holy and righteous God, not on our own record, but on the record of Christ. And God says in his word that he chooses then, because of Christ, not to remember or to remember no more our sins. So that when he looks at us, he doesn't see us, he doesn't see my record, he sees the record of Jesus. And so his presence is actually the place, not that I want to flee from, but I want to flee to. Augustine makes this exact point when he says, There is no place where you may flee from an angered God except to a God who is pacified. There is absolutely no place for you to flee to. Do you want to flee from him? Rather flee to him. You see, only then will God's omnipresent omniscience be a great comfort, for he will be present no longer to judge you or to condemn you, but to justify you and to sanctify you, to bless you and bring you into his family as a son or as a daughter. You see, this psalm, these attributes drive us to Jesus. We can't escape God, but in Jesus We don't want to. We don't want to escape God. Rather, we want to run to him because it's in him. He's our refuge. He's our hope. He's our security. It's where joy is found. Only in the presence of God is true safety found. Psalm 139 from David is not written from a place of terror or dread or fear. And definitely hear me even, it's not written from a place of perfection. Psalm 139, these words from David that I just read, were written from a place of relationship, a relationship with the God of the universe and a security and a delight. 
we must realize that the presence of God is the most comforting and soothing place in the universe. That's why David would write in Psalm 23, in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you're with me. You guide me. You comfort me. Notice it's not anything to do with David, but about the presence of God. That even in verse 11, what he would say here, that as darkness covers me. Have you ever felt like that, like darkness covering you? Maybe in this season, you've, you've felt the unique heaviness, right? David's going, even in that place, God, you know me, you're with me, and I can be sustained because you are there beside me, right? Like we cannot escape God, and because of Jesus, we don't want to. It should be what we want, in fact, more than anything else in this life. And that leads me to the second point that we get from these attributes in Psalm 139 is that we need to seek God's presence. You see, there was a seeking that we talked about in Psalm 63, but this is, this is about seeking the presence of God in, in another way as well, right? It's not enough to just acknowledge God is present everywhere, but this presence can and must be sought and experienced in different ways. You see, if you truly are serious about growing in your relationship, maturing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then there must be a growing awareness to the presence of God, right? There is this idea of a cultivation of humility in your life and obedience of throwing yourself on the mercy of Jesus Christ by creating and cultivating an awareness of his presence, that's why we, we've started something, you see it on our website, and we did it in our gatherings when we were getting together at the two different locations where we started sharing these signs of the kingdom because we want to be a community that is asking the question, how are you seeing the presence of God and the kingdom of God come into your life and through you? We realized and recognized that so many of us, when we're asked that question for this week, we don't have an answer. And why don't we have an answer? Is it we don't have an answer because God's not moving? Or is it because he's not present or there? Well, we just said he's, he's present everywhere. Or is it that we are not aware of it, that we are not cultivating eyes and ears and hearts to see and sense the presence of God going before us? You see, in Exodus 33, one of, one of my favorite chapters in, in, in this part particularly, where Moses uh, is, is having a conversation with the Lord, and he, he goes, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go into that land. If your presence doesn't go before me, I want nothing to do with it. Why? Because Moses, he realized that the presence of God, and I think it's in verse 15, he says the presence of God is what makes him and the nation of Israel distinct. So without the presence of God, there was no distinction in them. So he's like, listen, I don't want the promised land because without your presence, the promised land is nothing more than just milk and honey. And so many of us, we have just been satisfied with milk and honey apart from the presence of God. God, give us, give me a heart that says, Lord, if your, present doesn't, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. I don't want to step one day. I don't want to walk one moment without your presence going before me because that's what is distinctive about us, that the presence of God is with us. And so are we, as a people of God, cultivating a moment-by-moment -moment continual, as, as one uh, theologian said, continual conversation with God. 
that we are moment by moment seeing that everything in our days, everything in our lives is an opportunity for us to connect our hearts with God, to see his kingdom break out and his presence break out and forth from our lives. You see, next month in, in August, we're going to begin something called shared practices where we we uh, cultivate within our church a weekly spiritual discipline or devotional practice in our lives that are meant to move us to a continual awareness and abiding conversation with God. And this doesn't mean that you're just constantly talking and talking. Maybe it does mean that you talk to God more often than you do. But it is about an awareness that in everything, in your working, in your parenting, in your schooling, in your cooking, in your mowing the lawn and changing one of those nasty diapers and, and putting kids to bed, that you would see God and see every moment as, as an opportunity to connect your heart with God, that he is present there with you and you should be having an abiding relationship with him in all of those things, that we actually live considerate of God, that he is with us in every moment and nothing escapes him that we would begin to consider God in all things and the way we walk through life and we begin to acknowledge his presence above anything else. Right? Think about even maybe how this would change the, the, the way that you live and conduct your life in the secret place. That you would actually understand this attribute of God's all-knowingness and, and God's all-presence in, in the things that you view on a screen or the things that you view uh, on a computer, or the thoughts that you have that you, you, you don't think anyone else knows about. Listen, the reality is they may never know, but God does. God sees, God knows, and he is present. Listen, we need to be a people practicing the presence of God as whole life disciples, not a people neglecting the practice. Listen, it is great to get up early in the morning or in the morning and consume the word of God and to pray. But listen, if that is the only moment where you consume the word of God and you pray or you connect your heart with God, yet you then go the rest of your day without acknowledging the presence of God, let me tell you, you've fallen short from the fullness of what God wants for you. And so these practices, these shared practices are meant to cultivate in us a further awareness and growing in the presence of God and seeing him come into our lives in each and every moment, into our houses, in the mundane ordinariness of our houses, in those moments we want to see the presence of God invade us and invade our community. And the third one and the last one is this. We need to see through these attributes that we've got to embrace our limitations. And I know this, listen to this point, get it, it's going to be profound. Uh, we are not God. Listen to what uh, Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 23 through 24 says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? What does that scripture tell us? It tells us that he's boundless, right? That you and I, we fill a very small square footage. It's that, that, that we can be at one place at one time, but that's not the character, that's not the nature of our God. Yet we continue to kick against this, don't we? Like we are constantly trying to be everywhere, right, and, and know everything. You know, I've, I've, got, I've got 17 uh, news feeds, right? Or maybe you've got one news feed um, that you spend 17 hours on. Or maybe you've got 19 social media outlets and, and, and it can't be out of the know. I need more information and more information, no, more information. Uh, you know, why? Well, I, I want to be, be informed. No, you want to be something that you were never created to be. 
that only our God carries this attribute of being all-knowing. You see, and I want to warn us, and this is a very practical point, that our constant consumption of information is overwhelming our minds and our physical bodies because we were never intended or created to carry or to know what we're trying to consume. And this consumption is crippling us. We are not embracing our God-given limitations. This, this constant consumption is not making us freer. It's making us more stressed, more bound, more anxious, and more fearful. Listen, social media is an attempt at omnipresence. And I would say uh, omnipotence as well. But, but think about this. It's an attempt to, to see and to participate in all these things that other people are doing. It's trying to be everywhere. But because we're not omniscient, because we're not omnipresent, all of these attempts that we make, that all of us make to some extent, actually diminish our presence. It actually thins us out. We have actually trained ourselves not to be present with those in the places that are actually before us, right? You, you, you ever talk to those people or have a conversation with someone um, and, and, and you're present and you're there with them, but you know they're not, like they're looking past you or they're looking around you like to the next person or to the, the next conversation. Like how annoying is that first off, right? But, but we've all felt that and sensed that. Right? We've trained ourselves to, to not be fully present in the places we inhabit, in the relationships that are right in front of us. Listen, to embrace our limitations, to embrace and see that what's written in these 12 verses in Psalm 139 is not about us at all. It is about our creator, God. Here's what it does. It actually frees us. It frees us to be fully present with those before me. It frees me to be fully present before God. Listen, this is, this, is, this is a good device, okay? It, it, is, it is awful in moments, but it is a, a good device, but it is a massive distraction to me, right? E even in moments where I'm studying my Bible, here's what I do. I just want to give you a picture of this. I'll be studying my Bible. And I'll be reading, and I'm, I'm present there with God, or I'll be praying, and then I'll think about something that I want to know or check, something as simple as the weather or a question that I have. I will zoom over to this and pick it up. And it was like the Holy Spirit hit me, and it's like, be fully present. So here's what I have to do. I have to take my phone and actually distance it from myself, physically distance it from myself so it's not even a temptation or distraction. That's the power that device has on me. And not just being fully present with God, but how about being fully present with our family? I have to do the same thing with my phone when I put my kids to bed or with my friends or those within our, our faith family. God, help us to be a people who are fully present in the moment with him and with others, right? And there are things that I want to intentionally neglect. There are some things that I don't want to be a part of, noise that I want to shut out so I can learn to be present in the moment right now. Listen, some, some of you are more fully aware of everything going on in culture and every nuance in culture with everything from the virus to politics to economy to housing trends to fashion to parenting to whatever. You're aware of those. You're informed by those. You see those. You're present in those. But when it comes to being aware of what the Spirit is doing and saying, it's crickets. It's distant. And listen, that's... That's a real issue. Listen, I would rather be a little less informed on what's going on in this chaotic world 
and be in tune with what the Spirit is saying to me and be present with God and with others. Sounds like you're burying your head in the sand, Kyle, uh, to me. Nope. You see, because here's the cool thing about the presence of God. As I, as we are in the presence of God, abiding in him, fully aware, fully aware of what the Spirit is doing and saying, then I will know how to faithfully engage. Then I will know how to faithfully interpret the information that I am receiving and how to live as a person of God in this chaotic world. That's where that source will come from. Not from a social media feed, not from news outlets. It comes from abiding in Jesus Christ alone. That's how I'll know how to engage. And that's what Psalm 139 is saying to us this morning. Listen, there is nothing There is nothing you can do to escape God. Don't flee from him, but flee to him. Some of you who have just kind of been browsing this thing, God is calling you and drawing you this morning into a whole life commitment to Jesus Christ. Listen, that's where hope, that's where security, that is where everything we want and desire in our lives is found. It's found in him. Stop fleeing. The second thing is this, that Psalm 139 is telling us is this, to seek Actively seek and live with a radical awareness of the presence of God and cultivate it every day and every moment. And third, and I think most liberating is this, embrace your limitations. That as the creature, you're not the creator. That you are not omniscient and you are not omnipresent. And in that, you will find freedom in the one who is. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing a prayer and we're actually gonna sing a song that I I hope is a prayer and an anthem actually out of Exodus 33 and the conversation Moses had with the Lord. So pray with me. Father, seal your word upon our hearts. God, I pray that you would capture us with these beautiful attributes that are in you and you alone, that as our Father, we can trust. We can trust that your searching and your knowing of us is a good and beautiful thing that your presence is not terrifying because of Jesus, but it is delightful in the place and the refuge in which we run because of your son. And so, Lord, I pray that, that as we fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds upon you, as they try to ascend to these truths that we can't even fathom, we can't even understand fully about who you are, Lord, I pray that it would show us our limitations, that you did not create us with those attributes, only you carry them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would free us and you would rid us from these things that have such a grip on our lives as we are trying to be and trying to carry things that only you carry. And so, God, I pray in our church that there would be a freedom, that there would be a pursuit of presence of you each and every day of our lives, that this week we would uniquely see the presence of God move forth. We would uniquely see the kingdom of God break out in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, with our children for your glory and your glory alone. If your presence, God, if your presence doesn't go before us, we're not moving. So Lord, do it. Speak to us clearly for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you, church. Let's sing together.